Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And while you were here, you might as well check out the Leeds Podcast Network, where we have six, yeah, you heard it, six brand new shows, Monday through Saturday, each and every single week. You can listen to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And whenever you listen to them, we are there. We cover the NBA, the WNBA, and we even dip our toes into the NFL. Check us out because we're really good. Memphis, 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 what up, Grizz Nation, and welcome to another edition of Grizz 901. I'm your host, Daniel Greer, and we have a special interview again today with Jessica Benson from Grind City Media. But before we get into that, let's celebrate the win last night. It was beautiful. The Grizzlies win 119-118 to 118 out in Utah, where we never win. So it was amazing. It was great. And it was a great shot from Jaron Jackson Jr. And the drive from Ja was just as good. He got into the lane, made everyone commit, saw Triple J just sneaking out there, ready to unload the clip, and right in Rudy Gobert's eye, he dropped a three. So, great team performance. They were a little shorthanded without Dylan Brooks and without Anthony Melton, but they went into Utah and got the job done. Now, the question I did see in the thought process on Twitter was, what in the world is this team doing? We don't know half the time. Are they going to show up and just completely beat teams that they should not? Or are they going to lose to teams that they shouldn't lose to? And so I always get back to, it's the ebbs and flows of the NBA season. So with that being said, I've said it before, and I sound like a broken record at this point, but never too high, never too low. And that showed us last night that this team is special. They are. They're going to be young, right? That's what, that's what they are. They're young kids, young professionals. But at the end of the day, they're professionals. And that means that they can beat anybody any night. And they might have more of a roller coaster type performances, such as, you know, Jaren's and Jaws and whoever. But as we saw from last night, what a great game and a, and a game to celebrate. But I want to give some shout-outs real quick to Triple J. Eight rebounds, another good night. Kyle Anderson, eight rebounds. Steven Adams, eight rebounds. Ja, 32 points. Desmond Bain looked amazing early on. He ended with 28 points, four rebounds, four assists. Ja had seven assists. So overall, a good night. Somebody who's not going out of the rotation anytime soon, Brandon Clark. Ten points, nine rebounds. Shout-out that guy. Shout out Canada. He's playing good. He's playing like he is set to be in the rotation moving forward. So I want to give him all the credit in the world. I also want to give a little bit of credit to Taylor Jenkins and his staff. The first half, it, it looked weird. It looked horrible. The Grizzlies could not understand what the Jazz were doing with the pick and roll. It was simply Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell in a pick and roll, and you pick your guy. Who do you want? I'm going to bring Go Barrel up. Or Whiteside, who, who isn't good. He's not that good. He's just a tall guy. And Grizzlies were undersized last night. But they were running them in a pick and roll, and the Grizzlies were helping too much on the guy who was penetrating. 
such as Conley and such as Mitchell. Well, the second half, it was a simple, simple switch and a simple adjustment. And like I said, credit to Taylor and the staff for, for seeing that. Let's make them do something different. And a lot of times the, the big guys such as Steven Adams would pick up and kind of stop at the free throw line, the, the penetration, which would allow whoever just got screened, whether it's Job, Bain, Jaron, whoever, to, to help get back to the guy who was penetrating. And then you kind of back off as a big man, and that's what Stephen Adams and Jaron Jackson Jr. were doing. They were backing off. Once they stopped the initial penetration enough, they backed off and stayed on Rudy Gobert and Hassan Whiteside, which did not allow them to have those easy dunks. And that was the key to victory, in all honesty. They finally figured out what we can do to do that. Because running those little floaters in the lane, they're going to beat you. But they're such a, a lower percentage than the high percentage dunk, which is 99, except for if you're John Conchar and it's 74. But it, it's a high percentage shot. It's a, it's a dunk from Rudy Gobert, who's 9 feet 11. And honestly, he's just uh, he's a long guy. So I want to make sure that, they, they, that Taylor and his staff get the credit they deserve because that was a game where really – it could have got out of hand any moment, but that little subtle change helped them and helped them win that, that night. So, so shout out those guys. Uh, what a great night. Twitter last night was buzzing. I was uh, doing Grizz lead. Shout out to those guys at Grizz underscore lead. I'm starting to do a little bit more of their Twitter during the game. So if you enjoy this podcast, uh, check out Grizz lead. I'll be doing some of those games. Me and Bailey, who uh, runs the account most of the time, uh, we're kind of tag teaming. And so it kind of gives me some something fun to do when I'm not on podcasting. So uh, let's go ahead and get into something else that's fun. And that is the interview with Jessica. She was great. As I've said, it was a little weird to edit. She was driving with her mother down to Alabama and they were going to have lunch with friends, family. I can't remember at this point. But the fact that they were driving three and a half hours to go to lunch for a couple hours, crazy. Just, Jessica, I know you're listening, crazy. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the interview that is. Enjoy. All right, today's interview we have with us. She is the daughter of the whack. She's soon to be hitched, one of the best sports personalities on your radio and TV. And you rise and grind with her. She is Jessica Benson. What's up, Jessica? Hey, what's up? How's it going? It's good. It's good. Uh, we're, we're, you know, we're okay on the Grizzly side, right? Like, um, we just saw them get demolished by the Timberwolves, which was a little weird, but... We don't need to talk about that. We, we, we can just uh, ignore the sheer panic that everyone felt on Saturday night. It's cool. It's yeah, I don't okay. know... I watched the first half, and then after that, I think I cuddled up to my kids, and I don't know what we watched, but it was not Grizzlies, which was good. Um, and so that's really, you know, that was my uh, that was my Saturday night, so it was nice. So. Any, literally anything else. I was in, like, double depression because I had just watched USC get absolutely crushed by UCLA, which is never a fun experience for a USC grad. I'm a huge Pac-12 supporter through and through. So to see Oregon get demolished by Utah, I was like, oh, great. There goes the college football playoff hopes and dreams. And then watching the Grizzlies get annihilated. I just tried to use three different words to describe crushed, but they were all the same on Saturday night. (laughs) 
Yeah, not a good Saturday. Um, I think I, uh, I, I'm an avid better. Uh, shout out at yeah. bet the lead. Uh, and I got crushed as well. So uh, Saturday, not not fun. Not fun at all. Uh, More fun to join you. Yep, we'll take it. Well, uh, let's get into some fun questions. Let's get to know Jessica a little bit. So we see you uh, on TV and we hear you all the time. Uh, as well as, you know, on you know YouTube, if you're watching Rise and Grind. But let's ask you a few questions. You've been in Memphis for what, five years now, correct? Yes. Okay. In my fifth year, we came in the summer of 2016. Nice. OK, so my research was was correct. Was spot on. <laughs> all right. Your math so, checks out. <laughs> yeah, I uh, use my fingers. Um, nice. All right. So let's get into it. We have eight. Uh, really fun questions. We used to call this clutch time, but we kind of did away with it. So let's just go in with some questions. Number one, what is your favorite barbecue place in Memphis? Oh, what an impossible question to I know. set me up for. Okay. You're going to make my some people favorite, mad. My favorite piece of barbecue in the city is the fried bologna sandwich at Payne's. Mm. I think it's one of the most unique things. I had never had fried bologna until I moved to the South. So I love that. Um, my favorite rib spot is Blue City Cafe downtown because it's, it's close to where we live and we enjoy taking people there. And then I also enjoyed the barbecue spaghetti okay. at the barbecue shop. So you're welcome for giving you three, but I feel like that's very indicative of how barbecue has consumed my life since moving to Memphis. It is. And it's, it's hard to answer that. And with one, but you also did the political answer and you gave me three to make not as many people mad at you. So um, right, right, right. Less people mad. Yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> All right. Uh, dream car for you. Dream car. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Not my current car that has been through the ringer the past month and a half. I had to get a new transmission. Uh, we broke down on our way to the UT Ole Miss game. So this is a good question. I always wanted always wanted like a convertible BMW of some sort because it feels just understated enough that it's not super loud screaming. Right. I have enough money to buy a really cool car. But like, if you know, you know. Right. I like that. Uh, yeah, not too flashy, just enough. Right, just enough flash. Just the logo is enough. <laughs> exactly. Uh, favorite vacation spot? Mm, that's a tough one. I love New York City so much. So much so that it almost feels like home when I have the opportunity to go there. And this is the longest that I've ever been without having a chance to stop in, in New York. So I would probably say that. But then Honolulu, Hawaii is also... Mm. Uh, one of the one of the top spots that I would love to get back to. Yep, can't go wrong with either one of those. Uh, a bucket list item of yours. Bucket list item of mine. I really want. This is so stupid, but I really want an Hermes belt. Like, just to have a really expensive accessory feels cool. Like, ooh, I'm cool enough to have a belt that costs a lot of money something so small and i never even wear belts so yeah you know you know i must say girls don't wear belts as much as guys do so yeah i get it I know, but it really pulls together an outfit like okay. if you can if you can convince yourself to do it it can make something work i really need to think of a better bucket list item for the next time someone asks me this question <laughs> Yeah, you went with belt, uh, just so we're all aware. You're trying to stick it. You went with the car. You're not trying to show off the flash, and now we're showing off how you know what we have right now with our belt. So you know, 
a little back and forth. Wait, wait, let me, let me, let me change it. I'll change it to one, one above. I want a Birkin bag. That's what I really want. Okay. So it's like a really expensive purse. So okay. we'll go from the belt to the purse. All right. Well, my wife just told me she wants a purse for Christmas. I, I'm guessing I'm not buying one of those. Hopefully not. <laughs> Unless you have large funds that you can just pull from, but they're, they're a little pricey. Just yeah, a little I, bit. I would imagine that, especially a bucket list item. I don't think she's going for the bucket list Christmas item this year. Um, I hope not. My mom is sitting next to me and I feel like she's just saying like, say something practical. I would like to buy a house. <laughs> Let's <laughs> say my bucket list item is buying a house. All right. Well, hey, you know, I guess if you're, you know, just, just nice and easy, just to kind of a layup, I'm not saying, you know, buying a house is easy, whatever, but yes, that's actually practical. So shout out to mom for being more practical in life. There you go. That's why I keep her around. All right. So we have four more. Uh, these are a little more fun. Uh, do you have a nickname? Um, I went by Jesse for the majority of my childhood. And then I, when I went to Southern Cal for my freshman year of college, I decided I wanted to be fancy and change back to being Jessica, but all of my high school friends still call me Jesse and my parents call me Jesse and Chris calls me Jesse from time to time. So that's, that's the one that continues to stick even when I don't want it to. Just put in a, uh, just a request, please just stop. Just stop. Right. Please. <laughs> all right. Favorite TV sports personality. Ooh, that's tough. I have so many people that, I look up to, I always have loved Michelle Beadle from mm. the sports nation days. And now I was super excited to see, she just announced that she has a new podcast with the athletic, but I always loved her ability to just be 100% herself, to be goofy, to not take sports too seriously, but still to be able to, you know, talk eloquently on important subjects that come about in the sports world. Cause it's not, it's, it's fun, like 90% of the time, but sometimes you need to be able to shift into that other space. So between her and like Katie Nolan, those are two people that I really look up to. Mm, yeah, no, two good ones. I love Beetle back in the day. Um, I know she is, oh, she's making her comeback. So uh, yes, shout out. I've been waiting for it. I can't wait. All right. Well, shout out Beetle. Uh, this is a, this is a different one. I know you love football. So I had to uh, include this. So you have to keep two roles and lose one, and they stick around forever. We'll go to the NBA first. The Euro foul, which is the take foul, uh, or the NFL taunting penalty, or the college oh. football automatic ejection for targeting. So you have to keep two, lose one. Which one? Oh, gosh. Oh, no. These are the worst so fouls and whatever, yeah, ever. Yeah, they are. Keep two, lose one. I, I have to lose the NFL taunting penalty because it just makes me so irrationally angry every time it happens. Yeah. But let the record state, I would like all three to be under further <laughs> review. <laughs> I agree. Uh, they're the worst, especially if the referee tries to back up into you while you're um, maybe just yes. somebody and he calls you for taunting, whatever. Yes. Um, also, like, let's have fun. It doesn't have to be the no fun league. Come right. on. Exactly. Who is your NFL team? This is such a loaded question because I am a really weird fan, like because of how I grew up with my dad working in college sports, I always had to go to games and be neutral. So they really kind of screwed me out of learning how to be a good sports fan. So I just like adopt a lot of teams as I go. So I grew up in Denver. So you're a Broncos fan by nature when it comes to the NFL. And then my grandpa was a scout for the Buffalo Bills. So family wise, I was always really connected to Buffalo and that was the team that we followed on my mom's side of the family. 
And then I can root for anyone. Like my fiance is a Niners fan. And so I want him to be happy because happy spouse, happy house. So obviously I want them to, to pick things back up and would love for Trey Lance to end up being a real star for them. And then we lived in Washington and I was like, okay, I can kind of root for the Seahawks, but then it's like, I can't root for the Seahawks and the Niners. That's sacrilegious. So anyway, that's your very long winded answer to, I just like all the teams. <laughs> no, that's okay. So you're a red zone channel unless, uh, I know. am a red zone or bust. I watch red zone. I have four fantasy teams. That's how I consume football. That's awesome. Uh, all right, well, we'll get to the last one, and we'll get out of here and then get to uh, more Grizzlies questions, but this is more Grizz-related. What makes Memphis special to you? You've been here five years now, so what is it that you know Memphis is for you? Ooh, such a good question. Memphis is just – it's all about community, and I love how when you're in Memphis, there's this unspoken bond with everyone who lives within the city that – you just want to rep Memphis and and you want to make Memphis proud, but you also want to make sure everybody else knows how cool Memphis is. Not to the point that everyone starts moving to Memphis and it becomes oversaturated and it loses its mojo and its vibe and the soul of the city. But it's just such a special, unique place that until you spend significant time in Memphis, it's almost impossible to describe it to people who haven't had that experience. So when I talk Memphis, I always talk about the soul of the city and that soul is so strong. I feel so fortunate to be a part of it. Yeah, I agree. And that's a a very good answer. And especially for someone that hasn't lived here forever, uh, just in those, you know, small amount of years that you've been here, I really think that's, that is the correct answer. It is the people, it's the soul of the city. um, And that's really, you know, when I was looking at naming the podcast and I thought, you know, Grizz 901, and the main reason is because I want to have 901 because it's like, you know, you kind of rep your hood. I think that's uh, GP that says that, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, I've, I've never forgot that. So uh, so shout out GP. Um, all right. So let's give it to you a little bit. Give us kind of what you're doing. We know you're on Rise and Grind in the morning. You're doing a lot of the Grizzly stuff. So where can people find you and what's going on with uh, Jessica these days? Yeah, so you can tune into Rise and Grind weekday mornings at 8 a.m. on Grind City Media. You can find it on YouTube or on the Grind City Media slash Grizzlies app. Um, we're having such a fun show. Like my co-host Megan Triplett and I and CJ Hurt is involved as well. And I even have to shout out our director, Robbie Weaver, because the four of us have really become such a strong team. And we started the show in the middle of a pandemic and it definitely had its challenges, but we're sitting in a space right now where I'm just so proud of what we do every single morning. And we have so much fun, like to have a show where we obviously focus Grizzlies first, but to talk about everything from college football to the NFL, to the NBA in general, and then having a space for pop culture news to talk about the new Adele album and all the different fashion looks that we love and movies we've seen. It really allows me and every single one of us on the show to show how unique each of our own viewpoints are. We have such an eclectic uh, amount of things that we're all interested. So to come together every morning and get to literally talk about everything is a lot of fun. So that's how I start every day. And then on Grizzlies game days, I do the pre, post, and half game shows on the Grizzlies radio broadcast. Eric Castletine and Mike Wallace and Elliot Perry, uh, we make up the radio squad. And so it's really fun to have the opportunity to be involved in a game day broadcast. And I've learned more than I ever could have imagined um, just in the last year and a half, having the opportunity to 
to have that platform and to watch the game and in really a more analytical way and to force myself to be able to talk about, you know, when you're sitting on your couch or in a sports bar and you're just talking sports, it's one thing, but to be on the radio kind of dissecting a game in real time has been a really fun challenge to embrace. So those are, those are the bulks of my days when I'm not there, I'm on Twitter or on my couch watching a ton of TV and trying to catch up on sleep and afternoon naps. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's really it. So CJ's your, uh, you know, kind of another host there. Um, he is, you know, he's so much fun. He, he's a, he's a good time, but I think one of the more underrated people is really it's Megan. And I know she was on something to do with the Olympics and I kind of watched her a couple of times, but, but how good is she? She just comes off to be just Miss Professional, but also so well-rounded. Oh my God. She's amazing. And everything that she's done with the Grizzlies, I mean, to be able to come back to your home city is pretty special in its own right, but the way that she's able to kind of fluctuate through all of the different roles that she has with the team from the show to being more of a reporter role to the pre-one rewind that she hosts on game days. And then, yeah, I mean, like we call her Meg the Olympian because she had this incredible opportunity to work with the NBC team for the summer Olympics this past year. And it was just so fun to watch her shine and to get a little bit more spotlight on everything that she does. But it's so awesome to get to wake up every morning and to have the conversations that we have. We really didn't know each other when we started the show. And that can be, you know, a really tricky thing to navigate. And so I just think it's really cool how we've kind of watched our own relationship blossom over the last year and a half through the context of Rise and Grind. But like, we even went to Idaho together. We went on this awesome trip to Idaho Falls. Um, where we toured the Idahoan potato plant because Megan is the queen of the potatoes. And so they wanted to show us how their potatoes were made. And it was just awesome to get a chance to travel, to get out of the studio. And I just feel really lucky to be able to share all of this with her. Yeah, that was a cool uh, deal. And it was very unexpected. <laughs> Maybe not as much for y'all, but it was very unexpected for the the crew. I guess the people, the fans watching, uh, that was, that was yes. a good time. <laughs> It uh, was. Everyone's like, why did you go to Idaho? And I'm like, well, it's a really long story, right. but it was great. No, it was cool. Um, and little things like that's what makes it special, right? And that's what makes, you know, really Memphis, Memphis. That's what makes your show special is the little things, the cool things and, uh, you know, the unexpected. So um, we'll get into more Grizzlies. And you know what? I'll transition into another unexpected was our relationship, how it started. So I, uh, I tweeted off of something you tweeted a long time ago. And all of a sudden, job ja blows my phone up and essentially blows your phone up with a uh, simple post-game, you know, walk-off interview. How was it on your end? Because I know about it and, the, you know, our fans have heard about my story so many times. But how was it on your end and what was so weird about it? I remember it was so crazy for me because my phone started blowing up, too. And I was like, what in the world is happening right now? And next thing you know everything kind of spirals from there and that post-game walk-off interview from Ja calling you out ultimately it gets shared everywhere I remember it was on Sports Center, and I was like oh that's that's my tweet kind of my name's just attached to it because Daniel Greer is attached to it but I just remember thinking it was such a one it was a good lesson that John Morant reads tweets so be careful right. for everyone and anyone who might want to have a message shared on Twitter and it was just like the power of social media can be so funny. And it's great because it connected you and I. And anytime I remember when you called into the 
radio show, post-game show last season. He said he were, and I was like, oh, my God, like Daniel Greer. And we'll always share that moment. So yeah. we'll always have the jaw tweet. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, it, it was definitely weird. And it was kind of the start of realizing that social media with this team and how young they are. Like, they grew up with yes. Twitter. Like, they grew up with Facebook. Like, I had Facebook come out when I was in college. Like, that's how old I am, people. But uh, that's really, <laughs> like, it, it all kind of just, you know, does that. But you see this team and how young they really are. And you see that, hey. They look at Twitter and I didn't at him. So yeah, am I a troll? Eh, not really. I was just kind of speaking my mind to now my, my friend, Jessica, we were just talking back and forth. Not a big deal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I got caught, but anyway. No, it's such a, that's such a good point though, because it really is true that, you know, of a certain generation, we weren't completely in on the Twitter game. And even though Twitter has consumed sports so much, now you have a situation where basically every athlete on Twitter is young and grew up with it and they're more apt to check and yeah. see what's being said. And they're also not afraid to call it out, which I love. It creates amazing discourse. For sure. And, and you know what? I had fun with it. My phone did blow up and it was just, it was one of those weird moments, but it was a, a fun moment, but let's get into some Grizzlies questions and I'm going to, I have five here and if we can get to whatever we can, but let's go ahead and try. Um, my first one is, what do you think that contributes to the Grizz having, uh, it's 55%, so a little over 50% of their games being decided by 10 or more points this year? It's not a great trend, no. is it? And coming off of that loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves last night, I know Taylor Jenkins in his postgame remarks said it's not quite time to press the panic button, but it is certainly something you want to look at, especially when you're dealing with a younger team and what is that missing piece that isn't there that is allowing them to continue to fight back and at least make these games a little bit closer when you're down 40 points. I mean, you, you said it, you turn the TV off because you could, and you could turn away from it, but right. to have to watch those games through and through, it just feels like there's not that level of fire, that level of intensity to come out the half and say, okay, this is a, this is a big hole to climb out of, but let's have a little bit of extra pride here and at least try to make it more respectable. And I know in a situation like the other night, they don't have Dylan Brooks, they don't have DeAnthony Melton, and those are two massive pieces, period, but especially defensively that can both help lead the starting unit and be that boost coming up for you off the bench now. So you can use that as, I'll call it an excuse light, like sure, that should have had some effect on the game, but by no means should it have been a 40-plus point loss. So we'll see. There has to be a little extra leadership there where someone's got to get the team going in situations like that where it's just it becomes unacceptable is what it has to become. Yeah, and I think uh, Taylor even said that it's unacceptable. But did you just say that you didn't think the team had the fire in their eye? I, I, I was cautious about <laughs> saying that in that moment. But, yeah, I mean, like even when they came out and beat the Rockets the other night at home and we had Kyle Anderson on the post game radio interview and he said we had that that fire in our ass and like they finally had that little bit of extra oomph behind them where they didn't want to risk and let's be honest like losing to the Rockets by double digits would be cause for the panic button to be hit honestly in terms of how much that team is struggling right now but there just needs to be that little extra edge where 
you know, if this team wants to take the next leap from being a team competing for a spot in the play-in tournament and competing towards the, the bottom half of the upper echelon of the West to being like squarely in the middle of being a competitor in the Western Conference, those are the kind of performances that you just cannot have. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, I don't want to stay on too much, but it was it, it didn't look good. And the body language was bad. And I think that's what a lot of people on Twitter were talking about when really that's where my comment came from so long ago. It was the body language and it showed itself last night, which I never get too high, never get too low, which I know a lot of, you know, people in media. That's kind of what they preach, but also former players. So we're not going to get too high, not too low. So we'll move on to the next question. These are more you know, positive. We'll go positive. But who's shown you the most improvement on this team? I know it sounds like such an easy answer and we talk about him all the time, but John Morant in the leap that he's taken from year two into year three has been so impressive, both from the standpoint of his game improving. You know, he really took it on himself to come back this year with a better three-point shot so that people couldn't just sag off of him. He's shown that if you leave them open, this is a year where he is prepared to take those shots, make those shots, uh, the mid-range jumper, and then just his increased ability of having those, oh my God, wow, how did he just yeah. do that plays night in and night out? But it's the off-the-court stuff too. I just was reading Mark Spears had a piece in The Undefeated about all of mm -hmm. the film work that Ja does off the court and how much pride he takes in really studying every single team in this league, every single defense, what he could potentially see, what his peers are doing on the court. And his dad likened him to having kind of the, the reaction of an elephant and remembering everything. Mm. And that's the thing where like John Morant lives and breathes basketball. And we know that. And so that's why when you have a performance like last night, I do feel confident that John Morant has that leadership initiative in him to a greater degree this year to make it not be okay, that that, that that standard has to be set. And I think that a lot of that will fall on him because he'll take the initiative to be that person for this team. So just full, holistically well-rounded, both what he's doing on the court, what he's doing off the court, I think that improvement's been made. And, and ultimately that's great because that's what this team is resting on. John Morant is a superstar right now he's no longer in that oh he's a superstar in the making like no that's coming to fruition in this season and it's sure is fun to watch yeah i agree like Ja has taken it to the next level and he is the right answer um jaron as of late is starting to take that ascension up the right direction and it's not really the points and i know everybody kind of goes back to that like he's not putting up the points but but jaron is taking that next step just due to not fouling and rebounding. And, and I know that's what we've needed. Um, and kind of speaking of what we need, um, what does this team need to get to the next level? Because, you know, we are considered a playoff team. And I, and I think this team is a playoff team this year, but we're talking the next level, a top, you know, six spot, and then it's top four spot and then championship contender. Like what does this team lack that they need? They need Jaron Jackson Jr. to be alpha number two. If okay. John Morant is 1A, I think Jaron Jackson Jr. has to be a really close 1B. And I think we've seen flashes of that. Right. And, you know, I know there was some heavy criticism early on this season in a very young season. And that's where I was saying, put a pause on that, because this is a situation where he's finally healthy from the beginning of the season. The lack of games that he's played in his young career, especially in games that he and John Morant had shared on the court together, this is going to take a little bit of time, but when Jaron can achieve 
the level of production that we, we have seen flashes. So it has to go from being flashes to being the norm night in and night out. And, you know, you mentioned his abilities growing as a rebounder and what he can do, getting more down on the block, having some run at, at the five. And if that's, you know, something that works out long-term for this team, I think that that would be a direction that they would view as a positive. All right, let's get to the last two questions, but this one will be a, a fun NBA stats trivia. And I want to see if you can get them right. So the top five people in the NBA stat leader this year in this category, I want you to name the category. You are the first place is Miles Turner. Then it goes Mo Bamba, Anthony Davis, Al Horford, and Jaron Jackson Jr. What category is this? Ooh. Repeat one more time. This is the category. And the leaders are Miles Turner, Mo Bamba, Anthony Davis, Al Horford, and Jaron Jackson Jr. What category? Blocks per game? Look at you coming through. Okay, with all Jaren. right. All right, so Miles is leading with three blocks a game, and Jaron is at the – he's at fourth – tied for fourth with two blocks a game. Um, all right, this is uh, – the reason I even did this is for this question. So I'm just going to give you the top two people. What category is this? Jonas Valanciunas is number one. Number two, R. Tyus Jones. Oh, Jonas Valanciunas and Tyus Jones. They're leading all the NBA in this category. I phone a friend and I phone you. What is it? Three point percentage. No way. <laughs> it is. It's so crazy. And that's why Jonas Valanciunas is having a great year and he's, um, he is. He, he's doing much better and really his looks in his three-point line. So I thought that'd be a fun one. Uh, he's leading at 56.4, but Tyus, who is not known to be a three-point shooter, has done a great job this year. He's 17 of 32. Maybe he should shoot more, but he's at 53%. So, all right, last question. We'll get you out of here. I know you are busy, but this is one I have to ask. Will Ja be an all-star this year? My... Uh... First answer is duh, but I know it's not that much of a duh because listen, it, it's highly competitive. And when you look at the field, um, he's going to have to keep up this production level to move forward. But I do think that he's very much trending towards being an all-star this year and has a legitimate opportunity to be one, both in terms of what he's doing as a player, but also the brand of John Morant just continues to grow. And John Morant is good for the future of the NBA. And you want to put those players on the stage for all-star weekend. So for me, it's a no brainer to have John Morant be there. And I hope that that ultimately is the case. Can Josh start next to Steph Curry? I think so. Okay. Don't you? Yeah, I I do. Because, you know, realistically, he does have other contenders, but this is the year because a lot of the other point guards have kind of fallen off and Ja has uh, the younger demographic. And I Absolutely. think that I think he can get voted in by the fans for sure. So I, I why not? Let's go. It's, this is a Grizzlies podcast. We'll do what we want. <laughs> we'll be, we'll put the homerism on it, but I yeah. sure would. Can you imagine how much fun that would be though to watch? Wow. I mean, like that, that would be must watch TV. Truly. That's the thing that I think, John Morant, I will miss one day when Steph Curry is not playing anymore because he's the kind of player who you want to turn on the TV and watch what show he's putting on. I really think John Morant can become that in the future. A different version of it, of course, obviously. Um, But he has that in his bag, for sure. Any chance that they would invite Jaron 
to do the uh, the skills challenge? Oh, I think he could potentially get in that mix. Yeah. That would be fun. That'd be, I mean, that'd be really fun to have them both there that weekend. Yeah, that would be a blast. You know what's been a blast is this podcast. I have to, th- I can't thank you enough. I, I know we've uh, kind of shared our Twitter moment and then also, uh, you know, maybe meeting you at the, the golf tournament was so awesome. Uh, so cool to actually meet you and say hello. But, uh, but thank you for coming on here and just kind of hanging out with me for a little bit. Absolutely. An honor to do it. People won't even know how much we went through to make this podcast happen. So anytime, I love to catch up. Absolutely. Well, thank out, you. Didn't it? Nope. You're great. You're great. Thank you. But that is really, we're leaving that in there. I'm not editing that out because that is truly how this, this phone call conversation, zoom, whatever went. Uh, it was, it was great. Thank you once again to Jessica for joining us and thank you to Grizzlies PR. A lot of fun having those two on, but also I'm excited about the future and I know that we've kind of done both of those podcasts now. So I just want to simply say thank you. Um, I, I have not obviously seen the turnout for Jessica's podcast just yet, but the, the turnout for Eric's was, was all around. It, it was amazing. And it, it makes it so much you know, fun doing these podcasts for, for my city, the 901. And because we have you know, now a group that's it's growing this podcast and making it bigger than it is. Uh, and so thank you to everyone who's listening, to all the new people, you know, welcome on board, and all the OGs, the old people, the originals. Welcome the new people on. It's a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of fun with this podcast. And Ryan, I uh, want to shout out to him as well. We're always busy. He's busier than I am, it seems, these days, but, but we're having a good time. Uh, welcome on these uh, interviews, but also us two having our little you know, back and forth together. And speaking of our back and forth, you can check us on Mondays on the Leeds Podcast Network. So if you're missing our interaction, we're always going to be on there together because he runs the show there. So he has to be on, which he demands when we actually record. So here, I kind of do what I want. And if he's available, yeah, see you later, dude. But let's go ahead and get into the week that's upcoming. And we'll preview these next three games. This week we have left Wednesday the Raptors are coming into Memphis Thursday. We eat turkey, baby. Turkey. So I hope you're enjoying family time and enjoying those, uh, those special moments. I, I enjoy my family, and I appreciate any chance we get to uh, just to hang out together. That's really what it all comes down to. Uh, Friday, the Hawks, the rival Hawks, come into town. And then we finish off the week before we record again. And that will be Sunday. It's an early game. It's a 5 o'clock central game. It's the Kings. They're coming in. So this is a three-game homestand for these Grizzlies. So let's break down a little bit about uh, these teams. But before we do, let's talk about the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are now sixth in the West as we're recording this, 9-8 and eight overall. They're 6-3 and three at home and 3-5 and five on the road. Points per game. They're in the top five at 110. They are the worst with 114.9 in opponents' points per game. So... Those numbers got to come more together, have to, or there's no way we'll win. But that 40-point game on a small sample size in Minnesota, eh, it's not it's not ideal, right? It didn't help. Uh, but the Grizzlies are you know mid, middle of the pack now in pace of play, and uh, they're fourth best in turnover. So that's good. We're holding onto the ball. 
which is the reason we're scoring more, especially we're giving up so many points. So it's going to kind of come back, and you'll see these numbers as we read off these other teams. It's going to be a big test this week, and there's going to be a very different clash of styles. And the first big clash is going to be the Raptors. They're 8-10. and 10. They're on a two-days rest coming in. They're 2-6 and six at home. They've not been great at home this year. A lot of those were early on, and they're playing much better as of late. They're 6-4 and four on the road overall. Points per game, 105.8. Opponents, point, point, opponents points per game, easy enough for me to say, 105.8. Both are the exact same. Pace of play, middle of the pack, 14th in the league. And then turnovers is the fourth best in turnover ratio, 11.6, tied with the Grizzlies. So what that means is these teams, the, the Raptors – are going to run at a similar pace to the Grizzlies. Their turnovers are very much similar, the exact same with the Grizzlies. So the difference is, is going to be the defense. They aren't scoring as many points as the Grizzlies are, but they're also not nearly giving up almost double digits less. So this is going to be your biggest difference of these two teams because the Hawks and the Kings are very more they're much more similar than than the Grizzlies are than what the Raptors the Raptors are so night and day different they try to control the game run a decent pace Fred Van Vliet he's gonna you know chunk up his threes but since uh, Pascal Siakam has come back they've looked like a, a better team at times but honestly they're just not clicking they're not meshing uh, this will be a homecoming game for Precious Achua, so look out for him to to look like he's going to have a, a big game. If you're looking at best bets, which we always do, and shout out at Bet the Lead, those uh, those might be a rebound number to look at closer to game time when they put out the the, the bench unit on their statistics. So uh, I think this is a Grizzlies uh, game that they can win, but. They cannot allow this team to continue to just stick around, which they want to do. The Grizzlies have to find out how they want to run their offense. And the way that I think that they need to do it is you run it through Steven Adams, as we've been saying. If you run the offense through Steven Adams, it allows them to kind of move more. And if you look at the way the last game was, how it started off, they went to Steven Adams, which I don't expect – Toronto to play as up as Rudy Gobert was on Steven Adams but if it is and if anyone does then that that movement behind Steven Adams to the basket whether it's weak side strong side and cuts through the lane is going to be there that's the way these Grizzlies need to run it it allows to take a little bit of pressure off of jaw to which he was dead absolute dead in that Utah Jazz game towards the end of the game he needs some rest, and the more we can keep the ball you know, kind of away and out of his hands, the much better it will be. I think this could be a good Tyus Jones game because they're not a flashy team at all. They're pretty deep. They're pretty consistent overall throughout the entire you know, lineup, you know, one through nine I think they play. Uh, so this will be a game that the Grizzlies match up pretty well against. I, I would imagine that we would see Dylan come back and – Probably play against Pascal Siakam. I'm not I'm not sure exactly the matchups because this I didn't want to go too in depth due to you know the length of this podcast overall so far. So I, I think this is a Grizzlies win. I think this is a week that they go you know maybe two and one, three and zero. Oh, but you know the way they've been playing, anything can happen. So I would I would say if I had to venture out, two and one. Talk a little bit about the Hawks, uh, Mr. Jekyll, 
and Hyde meet Mr. Jekyll and Hyde. The, they're 9-9 nine and nine right now, and they play the Spurs on Wednesday. So we're both going to be uh, playing another game before we meet on Friday. The last 11 games, six of the first 11 were losses for the Hawks. Then they went home. On their five-game homestand, they went 5-0. and oh. So over the last 11, they're 6-5, six and five, six losses, and then they turned around with five wins. So they're on a five-game winning streak going into San Antonio. So we'll see. They're going back on the road. They are 8-1 and one at home. Okay, you look at those five wins. That's, that's going to play a big into it. But also, so six losses. Most were on the road, but they're 1-8 on the road. And their only win on the road this year was against the Pelicans. So it doesn't tell you as much because of the way they've been playing as of late. But this team is definitely, they're playing much better right now. But is it because they're at home? Who knows? We'll see. Uh, but they're playing much better now overall. Trey is still playing consistently good, but the rest of the guys around, they're shooting the ball well, they're rebounding the ball well, and they're actually playing as a unit, one through nine as well together too. So we'll see how we meet there. Their points per game, 109.6. Opponents' points per game, 108.8. So I'm within a number of each other. So they're playing right around the same number. So this will be a good game. They're going to want to get up and down as well as we are. They're going to shoot the ball uh, from deep just like Bogdanovich did for the Jazz. So we have to guard the three-point line. You're going to see a lot of pick and rolls for Trey. He likes to do something similar to Ja does, even though he can shoot better from deep than, you know, than Ja does. Uh, but you will see that he will try to get a, a pick, whether it's from Clint Capella or John Collins, and get into the lane, which can help him shoot that floater really, really well. Or he can kick it out to those guys who are just dropping you know fireballs from deep. So... This will be a game that Steven Adams, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, and even Brandon Clark will have to be very, very good at, at defending that pick and roll. And as we saw, they did pretty well, and they made some changes. So we'll see. I, I think this will be a game that either you know Trey goes off and gets to the you know in the middle. It could be bad because then we're going to have to you know completely close out on him, and at that point they can th- throw lobs as well. So. We'll see how it goes, but if the Grizzlies can kind of make sure we stay in front of Trey and not let him get straight into the paint without anyone on him, then I think this is a game the Grizzlies can win as well. But that's going to be a very important key factor to watch. All right, let's get into the Kings. And last thing before we get out of here, and thank you again for staying with me this entire time. It's been a, it's been a lot of fun. Kings are 6-12. and 12. They play, We play the early game at 5 o'clock Central that day. Uh, they play the, the the Blazers Wednesday, and then they have another game, such as the Grizzlies, on Friday. They play at the Lakers before they come to the Grizzlies. They just fired Luke Walton. They have now the uh, guy who's taking over, Alvin Gentry. They were on, they're on a four-game losing streak, and they're 2-8 and eight over the last 10. So they're not playing well. They had a big lead the other night and completely squandered it. So... I know that raid Ryan Mad. Shout out Ryan. You're you're betting. You lost all your your props and your plays, parlays, everything because of the Kings. There you have uh, uh, points per game is 108.2. Opponents points per game is 110.6. Their pace is uh, 10th in the league at 99.8, and they're uh, the 11th best and so middle of the pack in turnovers. So uh, there's not much to get into with this team. There, it's really unknown. 
because the anything I tell you could change within the two games they still have left before they get to the Grizzlies. But also, they now have so much turnover. They have you know so much unknown with having a new new coach. And this team is good. They can easily beat any team in this league if they play well. But do they always play well? And that's really the biggest question. Luke was not a really good coach for them. But in the end of the day, as me and Ryan talked about on free basketball on Mondays on the Leeds Podcast Network, shout out, they might have a franchise problem. And in the end of the day, if you have a franchise problem, no matter what the coach or who the coach is or what kind of changes you make, it doesn't change the franchise. They are who they are in the front office. And if they're calling the shots by not letting Marvin Bagley play, then in the end of the day, they're screwing themselves. And so who's to know how they're going to show up or what they're going to do or how they're going to play. But, uh, but I think this Kings game needs to be a win. It's very important, especially in the West, because those Western Conference games are really, really much like gold. And we just took one from you know Utah. We took two from the Clippers, two from Denver. So there's no reason to now slip up and go back. So the Grizzlies don't play great on the weekends, and we know that. So we need these two games on the weekend, Friday and Sunday, to be really big. They have to win one of two. If not, they need to at least split on the weekend. So we'll see how the game goes. But once again, thank you so much. Uh, don't want to spend too much more time here. Uh, we do have some more fun things planned. I have some more things up my sleeve, as I've talked about on this podcast. Uh, I have a lot more people that want to come on here. And uh, if, you, if you missed out my uh, different places that I'm going out to, people are asking me to come onto the podcast. So so thank you. Uh, Grizzly Bear Blues, I was with Justin. So if you have not heard that, go back and listen to that. We broke down a little bit about the game. I want to say it was a Houston game, and we talked a little bit more about. Uh, I'll be going on uh, the Locked On Grizzlies soon uh, with Sean Coleman. So if you have that, check out next week. I should be going on there sometime. So, um, so much Grizzlies content, so much Grizzlies love coming these days. Man, it's so good to see a unicorn stick a dagger in Go Bear's eye. Such a beautiful thing. And what's even more beautiful is the family and the friends we get to hang out with uh, this beautiful week and this beautiful time to to really just be alive and enjoy life as it is. So enjoy your week. Uh, We'll get back with you Monday. Let's get out of here and have an amazing, amazing week. Be nice and tell your friends.